0: Good afternoon, welcome into Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao, Maurice Patton, coming to you live from the Lee Company Studio here in Columbia. Glad to have you guys along for the ride as we get you ready for a great week of sports. High school foot, or high, sorry, high school basketball is well underway, and Tuesdays seem to be a busy day. Fridays, of course, as well, but plenty of great stuff to, to talk about today as the Tennessee Titans played last night. We'll talk about that. And unfortunately, Justin will have to just listen because he won't be able mm, to talk. Mm, mm. Uh, <laughs> and that's unfortunate. That is
1: unfortunate.
0: We'll also talk with Terry McCormick about it as well. We'll, we'll, we'll get with uh, Chip Walters who comes to us on Tuesdays, always a, a great segment to talk about what's going on at Middle Tennessee State. This will be a particularly
1: great segment because since we last talked to Chip, a lot has happened. Yeah.
0: <laughs> one thing particularly.
1: Well, more than one.
0: But, yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. So, yeah, it's going to be an exciting time to talk with Chip Walters. We'll also talk with Ryan Callahan of 24-7 Sports as Tennessee is dealing with some portal issues as 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 everybody Mm -hmm. uh it's 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 certainly interesting to see how things are shaking out in the portal and ryan is on top of it for 24 7 sports and go 247com so we'll talk with him in just a few moments all of that coming your way including top five tuesday we told you about it yesterday the top five best individual performances in sports in a loss. And a loss. So, and man,
1: there's some good ones out there.
0: There are some.
1: I've been I, doing some research. I'm I'm still doing some research. But yeah, but
0: yeah it's it, there, there's there are plenty to choose from. Mm-hmm. So, we'll get to all of that in just a few moments, but first we need to get you up to date with yesterday's scores and today's schedule on the rundown.
2: This is The Rundown.
1: High school girls basketball action from Monday night. Clarksville Academy defeated Friendship Christian 49-39. Marshall County defeated Fairview 48-43. It was Houston County 84. Joe Burns 44. Lipscomb Academy with a 68-38 win over Briarcrest Christian. Mount Julia defeated Smyrna 54-24. Eagle defeated Mount Pleasant 72-26. Murfreesboro Central with a 42-39 win over Summertown. It was Santa Fe 51, Frank
0: Hughes 32, and Waverly defeated Dixon County 60-43. to Boys Action, Friendship Christian, 86-78 winners over Clarksville Academy. Fairview down Marshall County, 54-51. It was Houston County, 61-47 winners over Joe Burns. Mount Juliet down Smyrna, 47-45. And Mount Juliet Christian was a 52-46 winner over STEM Academy. Mount Pleasant fell to Eagle, 58-44. Summertown got the best of Murfreesboro Central, 73-63. Santa Fe completes the sweep of Frank Hughes, 57-48. And Dixon County was a 65-43 winner over Waverly. In the NFL behind the shield, it was the New York football giants. I, I wanted to play the coming to America scene, but I thought we might get,
1: um,
0: yeah, I thought we might get, get yelled at. For probably that. best so, that we not, That's but they did, in fact, kick a, a pigskin through a, a post that looked like an H for a win, so it was crazy. The giants of New York. <laughs> 24-22 winners over the Packers of Green Bay. Uh and the Titans with a 28-27 win over the Dolphins. We'll talk more about that later. The Grizzlies tall mm-hmm. at home to the Mavericks 120 to 113.
1: Tonight's high school basketball schedule. These are all doubleheaders. All girls' games beginning at six o'clock local time. <clears throat> Excuse me. Portland is at Allen County, Kentucky. Martin Luther King goes to Antioch. Stewart's Creek is at Blackman. Columbia Central hosts Laverne. Dixon County takes on visiting Fairview. Overton will be at East Nashville. The Tennessee Heat is at Father Ryan. Hampshire goes to Franklin Classical. Franklin County hosts Riverdale. Lebanon visits Gallatin. Giles County takes on visiting Fayetteville. Liberty Creek is at Greenbrier. Hillsburg goes to Green Hill. Jason County is at Hendersonville. Whitmore is at Hickman County. Creekwood is at Lawson. Lawrence County goes to Loretto. Knowledge Academies is at Maplewood. Good Pastor goes to Nashville Christian. Oakland Coffee County. Payne Ridge visits Polk Home. Watertown down will be at Red Bull and Springs. Richland takes on Visiting Community. Tullahoma travels to Rockvale. It's not a for the second night in a row. Taking on Perry County at home. Franklin Grace is at Spring Hill. Cheatham County goes to Stewart County. Gavick is at Stratford, Cornerville is at Summertown, and Joe Burns goes north of the border, taking on Tide County Central of Kentucky.
0: Also tonight, Gordonsville is at West Mormon. That takes White House Heritage hosts at East Robertson. White's Creek is at home against Team Fox. Segal goes to Wilson Central, and Zion Christian welcomes Franklin Road Christian. In boys' only action at 430 today, Carroll Academy is at Curry Ingram. Can you tell I added Houston County to this? Hmm. I, don't, I don't know if, I don't know if Curry Ingram is in Houston or if there's a private school of some sort. I don't know, but hmm. I added Houston County and this popped up.
1: No, Curry Ingram
0: is in like Brentwood-ish. Okay. I'm kind of sort of, well, yeah. I don't know who, I don't know how they ended up because we've never had them before. So uh-uh. again, high school schedules mm-hmm. provided by Coach T. So, Uh, Men's basketball, right this second. And junior college play over at Columbia Central. Tennessee Valley Prep is up here. The Valley Boys, the boys with a Z, <laughs> who yes. are here taking on Columbia uh, State. So there's that. Yeah. Tonight on SEC Network, Tennessee is at home against Georgia Southern, and Austin P is up at the Salukis of Southern Illinois at seven o'clock on ESPN Plus. On the ice, Predators welcome the Flyers of Philadelphia at seven tonight on Valley Sports South. And that is your rundown. All right, our top stories brought to you as it is each and every day by our friends at Piggly Wiggly. Went to Piggly Wiggly earlier today. As a matter of fact, got some delicious, hopefully, oh, surely. meats. Surely, delicious meats. Hopefully, surely they will be delicious. Uh, we're we're hopeful, uh, but anyway, <laughs> um, Piggly Wiggly, Neely's Mill Shopping Center here in Columbia. Can also, go and get lunch. They've got cobblers, meats, vegetables, uh, your choice, cold or hot. They got coleslaw, etc. So, potato salad, all kinds of great stuff. And of course, great produce and fresh hand cut meats. So that's Piggly Wiggly, Neely's Mill Shopping Center in Columbia. After we went off the air yesterday and talked at length mm-hmm. with John Parado of Sportskeeda's Major League Baseball coverage, who is Sportskeeda's Major League Baseball coverage. He's, mm-hmm. he's the whole department. Uh, <laughs> Shohei Otani's deal was announced by the Dodgers. that The Dodgers had not, to that point, even announced that Shohei Otani had been signed. Mm-hmm. Their Twitter account was getting spammed every time. Like when they announced the Joe Kelly signing, everyone was like, What else? Is there something else you guys need to tell us? <laughs> like, I mean, they, they were just getting spammed with, Hey, why haven't you announced Otani? Well, the reason is they had not finalized this particular part of the deal, which basically says that Shohei Otani will make two million dollars annually over the next 10 years. And once that is done, for the 10 years following, he will be paid $68 million annually. (laughs) And that may be the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my life. Obviously, baseball fans who aren't fans of the Dodgers are a little perturbed by this idea. Many people feel like it's skirting the cbt in a way that you know to avoid the luxury tax numbers and that this will allow them to you know sign even more superstar athletes and i don't know it's clearly within the rules but sometimes the letter and uh, of the law and, and the spirit not necessarily the same thing. I just don't know how good this is for baseball. And I don't know who it looks worse on, the Dodgers or Shohei. I think Shohei looks fine in this situation. Shohei's like, hey, this is my money, but you don't have to give it to me yet because I want to win. And I want you guys to be able to do whatever it takes to do that while I'm here. Now, once I'm gone... Good luck. Not my farm, not my pigs. But it just feels kind of like Otani is. Well, no, it just it just feels wrong. It feels like this shouldn't be legal, despite the fact it is. Does that make sense? Mm hmm. I don't, it's hard to explain what I'm trying to say here. I feel like Shohei is going to turn out to be the villain in this situation. Because not only is he getting his money, but it kind of screws baseball as a whole in the process.
1: I guess my thing is what stops anybody else from doing
0: it? Nobody else has $68 million annually to give anybody in 10 years.
1: Well, but I mean, if someone is willing to defer more than half of their contract in order to allow you to free up some more money, why not? Or if the team approaches you with that and you're cool with it, I mean... Who needs $70 million in a year anyway? I mean, I I understand why people are perturbed about it, but I, I feel like most people are bothered about it because their team didn't think of it.
0: I don't think it would have mattered who. Look, Otani was going to the Dodgers.
1: Well, okay. I guess, again, my thing is not – my my thing isn't with Otani or the Dodgers. I, they they found a way to work, to work around the system. Period.
0: Which typically I'm okay with. But I just I think it's the number. It's like, well, crap. We could we could sign anybody for seven hundred million dollars, and you know, and in ten years, and give them twenty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, crap. And it just, it just feels like the Dodgers are,
1: I don't know how, I don't know how Otani becomes the villain in the situation though, other than, you know, for agreeing
0: to it, maybe. I don't know. It was his idea. It was his idea. Okay. He brought it to the Dodgers and said, Hey, you only got to give me 2 million because I'm making enough money on you know, on the endorsement deals and all so I don't need, I mean, who needs more than $2 million anyway? Uh, someone said in LA $2 million comes with an EBT card. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're probably not entirely wrong. But I, I think it's because, you know, you've now taken a team that didn't need Shohei Otani Got Shohei Otani, but now also has the ability to sign other superstar athletes. And they don't have to pay the taxes on it. They don't have to pay the luxury tax. And I think that's the big issue for most people.
1: I think. I think. And, and I, you know, this is this is over my head. I think, based on the rules that are put in place, the Dodgers did what they could do, and Shohei gave them the flexibility to do what they can do. I think the luxury tax should not be on two million a year. I think the luxury tax should be based on the AAV of a contract.
0: Right. I I agree with that. If that were the case, I think there would be a lot fewer people upset.
1: Reading Jeff Passan's lengthy Twitter post on this. When money in a contract is deferred, the competitive balance tax number, the luxury tax or the CBT, as you mentioned it, most people refer to it as a luxury tax, is discounted. With a source saying a majority of Otani's contract is deferred, the discount could be significant. Typically a CBT number is typically a CBT number is the average annual value of a deal, in this case 70 million. But depending on the size and the length of the deferrals, Otani's CBT number is likely to wind up in the forty to fifty million a year range, enormous benefit for the Dodgers. So it's not like the C B T is two million, but it's not seventy million. Right. So
0: it's 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 a little interesting.
1: It's certainly interesting, but I, I I don't know why the deferrals and I'm sure it's just a loophole and I'm sure it will be closed going forward because of this deal. But I I, I it just feels like to me the AAV in all instances should be the basis for the luxury tax. I, I don't I just don't think I mean because clearly there's a workaround. If you can get somebody to defer or if somebody says they will defer.
0: The workaround is there for a reason. The workaround is there for smaller market teams to sign superstar players and not have to pay them all the money up front because they're going to get a lot more money over the, the, ideally they would get more money over the length of the contract that they would have Available to pay okay. at the end of the contract.
1: Okay. That's so, what it's for. Okay. So it's for the small market teams and the large market team took advantage
0: of. A large market team took took it way out of proportion, is the is what I'm saying. It's, this is very
1: similar to Nick Saban.
0: Yes. It's a warning. Hey, if this is if, what you do you sure this is what you want to do? Okay, <laughs> if it is, that's fine.
1: I mean, this is put in place for Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Tampa. Oakland slash Las Vegas, Tampa, and the Dodgers said,
0: "Go." Yeah, it's 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 there so that small market teams can have the ability to sign superstars. It's not intended for the Dodgers to have four. But you can't. I understand you, that. You, you cannot make rules, rules in a league
1: with 30 teams that only apply to eight of them.
0: I, I understand that. Is this going to end up with a, with a salary cap?
1: I don't know if this is going to end up with a salary cap, but I think it's going to end up with deferrals not being not impacting luxury tax anymore. I think 70,000 annually, I mean, seven, 700 million or 70 million annually is going to be taxed. Whether the player gets 70 million, 2 million or anywhere in between, which is what it should be.
0: Right, I agree. And that's the only way to fix this, I think. Speaking of Jeff Passant, Seth Lugo has signed with the Royals, three years, forty-five million.
1: I bet you Seth Lugo is getting fifteen million a year too.
0: I I bet he is. He is. He is definitely not putting any of that off. Yeah. Uh, But man, uh, how about that?
1: Look. Wow. That. Another ex-Padre, right?
0: Yeah, they're 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 in trouble, Uh, but not. It's understandable. Um, Notable free agents still available. One particularly is Jordan Montgomery.
1: Blake Snell is also available, isn't he?
0: He is. I don't think the Braves are going to be signing Blake Snell unless they can give him $60 million on the back end.
1: Clearly, it's not out of the realm of possibility.
0: The Dodgers now have the best chance to win the World Series, per. Do they really, though? Per wager wire, do they really? Well, per wager wire, this is a gambling. They have the best odds, but I mean, or the worst odds, I guess.
1: (laughs) Does Shohei Ohtani make the Los Angeles Dodgers the best offensive lineup in baseball? And I submit that he does not.
0: Now, I'm a little biased. Doesn't make me wrong. Oh, Otani. no, no. They are still not as dynamic as the Braves. It's not close.
1: So. So I don't, and and again, it's not going to pitch. I mean, it's, it's. Tough to sell that he doesn't make them better, but does he make them the best? I don't think so now i'll also say I'll also say that the best team doesn't always win either, as we've seen
0: No, no, they don't rarely do they win as a matter so. of fact it's It's very unusual for the best team to win. Heck, when the Braves won the World Series, they certainly weren't the best team. So, you know, it gives and it takes. But even still, no. I mean, if you put the Braves and Dodgers lineups next to one another, I'm taking seven Braves of the nine.
1: And that's... I'd take them six of the nine, but yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean... The only one that... Because, see, I'm, I'm... Murphy and Darno to me are the same guy, and as good as Will Smith. Um, I think obviously, I, I think Acuna. And here's the thing: is you kind of you got you, you kind of have to take them. You got to take the top three as a whole. Okay, but
1: here's the deal. Here, here's one thing that you got to factor into that. And we hadn't talked about this, but apparently during or after the winter meetings last week, it was announced Mookie Betts is now a second baseman. So second base is a push at best,
0: but right field is not even close. I don't Who's who? <laughs> who is their right fielder? They don't have one running. So, uh, yeah, I mean. First base. Is a, a push. It's a push.
1: The Braves are better at third.
0: Yeah. Braves excellent. are probably better at short. <clears throat> uh, uh, Miguel Rojas, is that his does that their shortstop? I think so. Then yeah. Center field? They don't even have a center fielder. They literally just throw anybody out there who's whoever they feel like playing that day. Left field's Chris Taylor. Kalanick could be as good. I don't know. Chris Taylor's not great. Chris Taylor's not great, but my goodness, he's clutch. He is clutch. And then Peralta or Ozuna? Give me Ozuna.
1: All day and twice on Sundays. Yeah. So, I... I don't know. Yeah.
0: Should be interesting.
1: Goodness gracious.
0: Let's take a break. Mm-hmm. When we come back, Ryan Callahan joins us, talk a little bit about the Vols recruiting and portal news. So stick around. We'll be right back after this. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net.
3: With Lee Company technology, the best handymen are hands off.
0: Welcome back in Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint, Chris Yao, Mo Patton. We are live from the Lee Company studio here in Columbia. Mo, you said earlier, and uh, I don't know, <clears throat> I guess you what's, yesterday, that Vanderbilt had gotten a player out of the portal. hmm I hadn't seen that, so
1: I was... It was a... Defensive
0: back, cut fault. Good for them. And I do
1: not remember who he was or where he was from. Unfortunately, Um, I do think that I retweeted it though. So let me see
0: Colby Taylor from from uh, Wyoming. Yes. Also, uh, Stephen Lasoya. That one I'm not familiar with. From John Overton High School. Who? Steven LaSoya, interior offensive lineman. That's why you don't know the name. Where's he transferring game. from? Mississippi State. From Overton? That is that is what it says. Stephen LaSoya, L A L O S O Y A.
1: I do vaguely remember that name. <laughs> is it Stephen with a V? Well,
0: uh, yes, but he committed to Middle initially before going to Mississippi State. So, is he a walk-on at Mississippi State? I don't think so. He's a three-star recruit, so highly unlikely. That's wild. But
1: there you go. He transferred from. Hang on, hang on. This is this is intriguing. <laughs> Okay, this says he began his career at Middle Tennessee State. Well, it doesn't say Middle Tennessee State. began his career at Middle Tennessee, played there for three seasons before going to the Bulldogs for two.
0: So, And he still has a year left. Wow. It's amazing. It is.
1: The portal is, is out there. Who was it that said the portal giveth and the portal taketh away?
0: There's no doubt. There is no doubt.
1: So. That's wild. I assume he's a grad.
0: Grad. Yeah. My, it's the only way he's going to be able to play would be to be a grad transfer.
1: So. If he played three years of middle and
0: two at Mississippi State. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Well. Hmm. Vanderbilt's got one. I got two. Two, three, really, but I don't know who the other guy is. I did see it though. Uh. But Tennessee. Has only giveth to the portal. Only giveth. And so we'll talk Busful. We'll talk with Ryan Callahan now, 24-7 Sports, about whether or not the Vols will be taken from the portal.
1: <laughs> you, know, you know they will.
6: It's just a matter of time. Right, Ryan?
0: That's right, yeah. It, it,
6: uh, it doesn't happen immediately uh, all the time. Sometimes you see these guys making decisions in their first day in the transfer portal the first week and it's because they pretty much knew where they were going before they even went in the portal.
0: how do they know that ryan <laughs> okay they have a pretty good idea
6: <laughs> it's a mystery I, you, no one knows No. no. <laughs> but uh but yeah so that if, if you don't have guys like that already kind of lined up you end up searching around a little bit and guys have to take visits and, and tennessee's only hosted two visitors from the transfer portal so far and and probably will host uh, at least a a handful of others this weekend. So it, it it takes a little bit of time to to get things going sometimes, but once the activity starts, it's a, it's a flurry. So for now, the, uh, the wait continues for Tennessee to make an addition from the transfer portal. And in the meantime, uh, Tennessee fans uh, wringing their hands a little bit, waiting for, (laughs) for the news to start trickling in.
1: Yeah. And, you know, with no games to deal with right now, um it, it's it's awfully quiet around Knoxville and and fans are looking for something, I'm sure. Right?
6: Yeah, that that's right. And and there's a lot that Tennessee needs uh and, and probably more so than that, there's a lot that fans feel this team needs after seeing <laughs> this past season. <laughs> and they're seeing the guys leave in the transfer portal too <laughs> that you alluded to a second ago. You know, several guys in the in the secondary in particular leaving. Um, at the same time, you know, fans that were kind of tired of those players in the secondary are now um, are now wondering why they're leaving. So that, that's that's how it goes. That's the double-edged sword of uh, of college sports a lot of times, uh, sports in general probably. But the bottom line is they've got some some needs to address still. Uh, tight end, I think, at the top of the list because that's the position Tennessee has been probably the most aggressive in seeking out so far in, in the transfer portal. Uh, down to two scholarship guys there who will be back next season. So they're obviously looking for really a starter at that position with only two freshmen coming back uh, and then uh, hoping to add a high school guy to go along with a a transfer, maybe, maybe a second transfer. We'll see what they can find, but um, that's a position they've been particularly aggressive in seeking help. And then some other spots where they're still looking at some guys and, and seeing what's out there and seeing if they can get visits, but probably not as pressing uh, of a need as tight end, that's that's obviously a really important one Tennessee has to address.
1: Spring Hill High School graduate Ryan Callahan that's right. of Twenty Four Seven Sports joining us here on Main Street Sports today, and I had a chance to to talk to your dad for a couple of minutes Saturday morning, actually, Ryan. Oh, okay. He and I were both um, picking up pork butts from the Spring Hill baseball fundraiser, hmm. and um, oh yeah. He, yeah yeah so you need to get home when you get a chance
0: <laughs> Get you some of that
1: Get you get you some of that but um
6: it sounds like that that's what they'll be serving at christmas probably yeah, most likely
1: most, <laughs> yeah. there will still be plenty left i'm sure yeah. yeah um so there's something for you to look forward to uh, you mentioned that tight end is a very important position for for tennessee is that particularly in this offense ryan that that is the case because i mean you had um you had Jacob Warren, you had the transfer from, from the West coast. Um, you know, Princeton Fant held down that position previously. Mm-hmm. They, they get a lot of use out of that spot in Hypo's offense.
6: They do. It's, it's a tricky spot to, to recruit because the, the knock on on a lot of teams in Tennessee is is certainly one of them is, well, they don't throw to the tight end enough. Uh, I, I was telling someone just the other day, I, I've, I've never covered a team that felt that where fans felt they threw to the tight end enough. <laughs> that's always a position. Iowa
0: there. and nobody else.
6: Yeah. That, that's pretty this, much that's it. it. <laughs> Georgia lately. And, and that's you know, even. Well, that's funny recent, how that works. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. Even that's a recent development probably for Georgia. They, they had some guys for years that were really good and didn't throw to them as much as people thought they should have. So, uh, so yeah, they, that, that's a tricky position, but yeah, this year uh, you, you look at the numbers and people were shocked to hear this during the Vanderbilt game. They threw nine touchdown passes to tight ends this season. Now, now you alluded to the problem. That production was split between a couple guys. You had McCallum Castles and Jacob Warren both getting their fair number of catches. Castles had the better year statistically, uh, but Warren caught his share of touchdown passes, too. So they used those guys pretty well. That's the challenge. Uh, you know, last year they were kind of looking for two in the transfer portal last year when they got Castles. Couldn't get a younger guy to go along with him that would have been, kind of in the too deep waiting in the wings and now here they are a year later and and sort of paying for that or having to make up for that by uh, looking for a starter yet again in the portal. So the challenge this year is going to be finding depth at that spot. They've got Ethan Davis, a former four-star prospect who played a, a little bit as a freshman this year, got hurt in the spring game and that kind of set him back, but he's really talented. I think they're excited about his future, but is he going to be ready to start next year? Probably not. So I think they're going to try to bring in someone who can start both both of the guys that they seem to have their, their sights set on right now, Holden Stays of Notre Dame and then Jordan Dingle, um, who who uh, was once in, in Middle Tennessee, played at Oakland, or at least mm-hmm. his older brother, Justice Dingle, played at Oakland. They were in, in Murfreesboro there and then transferred to Bowling Green, and now uh, they, they ended up playing at Kentucky. After uh, Justice started his career at Georgia Tech, they both ended up at Kentucky. But um, with, with that connection, you know, there's there's some interest there from from Jordan Dingle. He just entered the portal last week. So I think both those guys are real possibilities for Tennessee. Both have good experience at, at Power 5 programs. And if they can get one of them, I think they'll be happy. I, I think that's, that's kind of the main thing they're looking for is just a starter at that position that they can count on. And if they can get some depth later on, that that would be more ideal. But it's, it's just going to be hard to find two guys who are willing to split reps what, but like what you had this year, when so many guys are in the transfer portal because they want to play and they want to start in most cases.
1: Ryan, are you surprised when you hear of a Jordan Dingle, former Kentucky tight end, are, are you surprised to see guys transferring within conference? We just mentioned Stephen Lasoya out of Overton, who is coming back to Vanderbilt from Mississippi state. Obviously Ray Davis went from Vanderbilt to Kentucky this past season, but, does does it shock you to see guys staying in conference like that, or does any of that matter at this point?
6: No, it, it doesn't shock me. It, it shocks me more often these days when you don't see that in a lot of cases because um, there, a lot of these guys end up choosing between SEC schools when they're coming out of high school. So if there's any regret about the way things played out, the, the natural place you're going to look is the school that finished second coming out of high school in a lot of cases. And so that's usually an SEC school. There's a lot of tampering within the conference, a lot of familiarity from where coaches have relationships with guys they recruited coming out of high school. And you're obviously recruiting the same areas geographically in a lot of cases. And that leads to natural opportunities for, you know, if not tampering an easy phone call to an old contact, whether it's a high school coach or trainer seven on seven coach, whoever it might be to say, Hey, would be, would he be interested in coming? Um, So it's, it's really easy to transfer in conference. And that's why this January and December, Transfer portal window is so popular, and why there is so much movement this time of year. You can move after spring practice too, even though that window is shortened to 15 days. Um, or, or the 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 January window, December and January is now 30 days. You still have 15 days after spring practice that you can transfer then too. But a, you want to go through spring practice at your new school and get settled into a new system. And b, you want to uh, you, you want to go ahead and get somewhere. And uh, and you, you just have uh, so many. So many schools are eager to bring in help for for next year and it's it's just uh it's easier to go ahead and get there uh going into spring practice and this 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 time is so busy uh for schools they're looking to to kind of fill some needs and uh so yeah you 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 have to look where you know and uh and you often know what you have um at sec sec schools and uh and, and kids that you recruited previously coming out of high school so it's a little shocking when there's not um that uh, that sort of inter-conference transfer uh, activity. And then this is the only time of year you can do that. You know, the SEC put in the rule that you can't transfer within the conference if you enter the portal after January, whatever date it is now, January 31st, I think is what they initially made it. So that's the other reason this time of year is really popular to transfer, because if you're in the SEC, you can't leave for another SEC school if you transfer after spring practice. So yeah, you see that a lot. Uh, probably more than sec coaches would like, but that's the reality. And, uh, it's, it's part of it and, and it's going to continue to happen as long as that's within the rules. A
0: lot of talk about within the rules today. Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah it's, uh, it's anyway, <laughs> you know, Ryan, you, you mentioned it, we've talked about it. This, this defensive secondary is depleted mm-hmm. at best. Uh, what, what, are, what, what's Tennessee going to do? This, this just seems unprecedented that they essentially have nothing but walk-ons now in the defensive secondary.
6: Well, it's not quite that thin yet. Uh, and we're still waiting to see who uh, what will happen with a couple of veterans back there who could change the outlook there quite a bit for next season. Uh, Gabe Judy Lally has not announced anything yet about what he's going to do. He has another year of eligibility left um, the, the BYU and, and former Vanderbilt transfer, just came in this past year. And one of the reasons Tennessee took him was that he had two seasons of eligibility left. Uh, so we'll, we'll see if he decides to come back. All, all recent indications have been that he's more likely to go ahead and test the, the NFL draft waters and see what's out there for him. And if he doesn't come back, then, then it becomes a little more of a, of a maybe not a dire situation, but a, a, a much more open competition than we're used to seeing the last couple years in Tennessee's secondary. They do have some young guys, that didn't play a lot this year. Uh, Ricky Gibson, as a true freshman, played some. You know, Every time they kind of got him out there in some big games, it, it didn't go very well a, lot, a couple of those times. And he he was out of there pretty quickly. And they turned back to those veterans a lot of times. The other freshman, Christian Conyer uh, from, from Bowling Green, Kentucky, and uh, Jordan Matthews from Louisiana. And, and those guys played on special teams some, but not a lot on defense. So not a lot of experience there, but a lot of young talent. And the reality is when you when you invest heavily in a position and you bring in some highly ranked guys, you better play them by year two, especially in this day and age where those guys will end up in the transfer portal themselves. So it's probably time for Tennessee to give one, if not a couple of those guys, a chance to play next season. Uh, but also they'll they'll probably be in the transfer portal looking to replace some of what they just lost. And then we've also got to see what Wesley Walker might do at safety, the uh, former Endsworth standout. He's a he's a possibility to come back, but I think that's another one that's probably leaning toward leaving and, and just seeing what what other possibilities are out there for him, uh, whether that's the NFL or, or or even possibly the transfer portal, but more likely just testing the NFL draft water. So we'll we'll see where those guys go. If one of them returns, it makes that makes it a, a an easier situation to navigate. If they both leave, suddenly you've got a lot of playing time to offer. And and some other guys that are there like Jordan Thomas and Andre Turrentine at safety that could easily step in next year. But they just don't have a lot of experience. So it would be. Uh, obviously a big adjustment for Tennessee to to make that change and have kind of some fresh blood back there, which, which might be needed at that position. Tennessee's just been okay in the secondary. They could probably use a, a, a fresh group of guys uh, as long as they have the talent. And I think they feel they do.
0: Well, again, and, and you know, you just said it. If, if guys are looking to play out of the portal, Tennessee gives them a great opportunity to do that in the defensive secondary.
6: Yeah, I, I would say so, and they and they we'll see how many they they end up looking to take there. That'll be the interesting thing because again, they do have those internal options, and because there is this spring transfer portal window, you know that's that's one of the tricky things about adding players from the transfer portal. And one of the reasons you maybe yeah. don't go all in on them this time of year, you don't want to bring in so many players that you scare off an Ethan Davis at tight end, that you don't scare off one of those young cornerbacks that wants a chance to start next year. So you do have to be careful with how many you bring in. But I think Tennessee will at least get one or two there probably in the secondary. And then we'll see if safety ends up being a position they have to address too. If Wesley Walker leaves, I think safety becomes an even bigger priority for Tennessee. That's already a position. I think they're interested in looking to the transfer portal. It becomes probably a necessity if Wesley Walker ends up leaving.
0: Wide receiver. Uh looks like uh, Tulane wide receiver is, is is, has he visited yet?
6: Yeah, uh, Chris Brazel. He he was just on campus. Uh, wrapped up his visit this morning. Actually, was on campus for less than 24 hours. One of the shortest official visits I've ever seen. Uh, arrived in Knoxville about uh, I don't know five o'clock yesterday evening. Uh, in the evening, it was not at, even at the afternoon, and he left this morning before lunchtime to to head to Utah for another visit. He's uh, he's taking a pretty uh, pretty quick trip to five different schools. It sounds like he started at Houston was at Tennessee yesterday and today, was headed to Utah from Tennessee, a nice little trip there. And then uh, I think his last two stops, although he didn't tell me when I spoke with him exactly where they were going to be, but it sounds like those might be Colorado and Washington. So he's mostly going out West for some of those remaining trips. He's originally from Texas, had the chance to go back home or at least to his home state by going to Houston and his former coaching staff at Tulane. Most of them also there now after Willie Fritz was hired at Houston. So we'll see if he follows that crew there. Or if he ends up at Tennessee or somewhere else, but it seems to be pretty open. And if he is, I think Tennessee's got a real shot in that one. They obviously could use a receiver, uh, an impact receiver for the most part, and that could use some depth at that position. But they just need someone to make that group better. They they weren't they weren't good enough at wide receiver this past season, and uh, I think they they know they need an impact guy who can come in and shake up that group a little bit. And he he's an outside receiver, six four or so. It would really give them a, a nice young addition, a redshirt freshman this year. So three years of eligibility left, 700-plus yards as a redshirt freshman. Uh, a lot to like about Chris Brazel, and, and uh, his dad was uh, a former NFL That's and a Canadian football league player as well. So uh, good bloodlines there. So a lot to like about him, and we'll see if they can get him. But I think they'll at least be looking for one wide receiver in the transfer portal as they look to upgrade that position this offseason.
1: You know, you, you talk about what Brazel did at Tulane, Um, does six? I mean, success doesn't necessarily translate because Dante Thornton well didn't exactly pan out,
6: yeah. Now, now Thornton was a was kind of a more typical, maybe not a more typical transfer, but maybe a more common transfer in that he wasn't a starter at Oregon. Um, so Tennessee had to take a little bit of a leap of faith with him. He started only a few games last season, played a little bit toward the end of the season, had some pretty good numbers in a couple games, and so you. You project that to a full season and say, okay, I think his skill set can work, and he was a former top 100 prospect, so you knew he had the skill set. Um, but it doesn't always click, and it, and sometimes it doesn't even click in the first season. So, from Tennessee's perspective, they've got to hope that one works out in year two. You know, he should be back. Um, don't think he'll end up in the transfer portal again because he can't graduate yet. So um, he's he's likely to be back next season, and we'll see if it clicks again for him uh, going into next year. But Tennessee could use a a, a leap in his development and uh and hope is hoping that he will settle into that offense a little bit better. He as he did when they finally moved him outside um from the slot this season. I think he was better out there and looked like he was just starting to get the hang of it as he got hurt toward the end of the season. So uh, I think they're still hopeful with him that you know the talent's there. But yeah, he's one of those guys that was not a starter at his previous school. A little bit different case uh with Brazzle where he had obviously seven hundred plus yards this year and big numbers of the redshirt freshman usually suggests you've got a got a, a, a real chance to put up some numbers elsewhere. But to your point, projecting that to the SEC, you don't always know, is that skill set going to be as dynamic and tough to defend against SEC defenders? Uh, and that's a that's a challenge, for sure. There would be an adjustment there, but I think Tennessee feels the skill set is definitely there with Chris Brazil.
0: Ryan Callahan of Go Vols 24-7. Ryan, as always, we appreciate it, and we'll see what happens. I don't know, this this, this this time of year is always wild.
6: It, it won't be boring. And, and, and if you want to put on your college coaching hat for a second, just think you've got early signing day, eight days away, so you've got to put your 2024 recruiting class to bed while also dealing with who on your roster is coming back, who might be leaving, who you need to add from the transfer portal. Oh, by the way, you've got to visit those guys while you're on the road too right now. Finish up those visits by Sunday. Host visitors this weekend, sometimes even midweek. It, it's a nightmare this time of year so a <laughs> lot to deal with a lot to cover it's a it's a fun time of year
0: fun is one way to put it i don't know how much fun the coaches are having we're hey, having a blast hey, that's why they make the big bucks right? <laughs> that's why Absolutely. they make the big bucks there you yep. go Glad thanks not. ryan and uh, enjoy that uh that, that that butt that you most certainly <laughs> will enjoy at christmas
6: looking forward to it thanks a lot guys
0: thank yeah. you ryan All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the Titans. Was it the most improbable comeback in NFL history? It's in the conversation. There's no question there. We'll talk about it on the other side of the break. Stick around. Welcome back in Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao, Mo Patton, and Justin Kulik on the controls. We are talking now about last night's Titans. Improbable comeback after an improbable situation before the comeback. After necessary. an
1: improbable meltdown?
0: Well, yeah. I don't know how improbable the meltdown was with these Titans. It's almost
1: uh, <laughs> well. I mean, it just came out the way it just came out of nowhere, though.
0: Yeah. Well, that's that's how these titans work <laughs> over the. And that's it's almost like okay, when's it, when's the shoe gonna drop? When? Yeah. Oh, what? Oh, oh, no, no, not yet, not yet. Oh, there it is. There it is. There, there it was. Special teams. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh wow the special teams blunder again as i tweeted to you last night i understood what he was doing because you could see him that uh, you could see Garar like pointing and yelling at nwi to like get out of the way because the ball was headed right to where nwi was running and so i understood what he was trying to do and then the ball kind of just bounced right at him and oh, by the way, don't know if you saw this, but the Miami guy pulled dude's arm
1: look gamesmanship
0: and kept him from being able to catch it, turns into a Miami muff fumble recovery and a touchdown a few plays later. But I understood what he was trying to
4: do. Mm-hmm.
0: I just don't think it was a very good idea for him to try for to him to it. try to do it. <laughs> Uh, But, you know, sometimes when you're like, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap, you're not thinking what happens if the ball bounces and hits me. You know, that's not what you're thinking of. You're thinking, what happens if the ball bounces and hits him? And so I I get it, but also it turned out really bad. And that wasn't the worst thing. That wasn't the worst thing. The worst thing happened
1: after... Miami scored, kicked off, and the Titans were on offense.
0: Yeah, very next play.
1: And I don't know if it was Brian Greasy or who it was that immediately said something about the Henry Fumble. Are you kidding me?
0: Uh, The the booth was Fowler, Orlovsky, and Riddick, I think.
1: Then it must have been Orlovsky. I think it was
0: Loft- Orlovsky.
1: That, that sounds like something stupid <laughs> he would say. They
0: because were awful last night, by the way. The pitch,
1: they were running option left, roughly.
0: I don't even know if it was an option. It was but, just, he was just supposed to pitch. Well, it was it was he, flip, flipped him,
1: but, but it was behind him and up. And it glanced off his right shoulder pad. Yeah. And immediately one of the guys with a mic, (laughs) whomever it was, it wasn't Chris Fowler, whoever the other guys were. I I don't know one of them from another, but um, referenced a fumble. And it just flew all over me because again, very similar to the, the high shotgun snaps that we've seen over the course of the season that quarterbacks have been blamed for that weren't their fault. But, I don't know how you blame Derrick Henry for running left and not being able they, to get his hands on a ball behind him and high to his right.
0: They said it was a tough catch. No, it was an impossible catch. There's no way he's able to catch that football. None. Not so, moving the way in the
1: direction he was moving.
5: Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho-quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net.
0: Welcome back in. Sorry we lost you there. Welcome back into us more than you. You're right. Yeah, they were there. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, we yeah, we are back and apologize. Time now for our daily Titans report as we continue our Titans discussion that we were so rudely interrupted during on the other side of that break
8: uh, with Terry McCormick. Terry, what's up? How's it going, guys? I know you, uh, you guys were just as stunned as I was probably at the outcome of the Titans game last night. Uh, it is your daily Titans report, and it's powered by Zen Sports. And uh, that was one of the more unusual endings I've seen to a game involving the Titans of late, because uh, I already was working—I was already working on my lead about how the Eric Garer fumble and the uh, Levis botch of the pitch had basically wasted a good effort by the defense, and uh, you know was ready to hang another loss on them, and then all of a sudden Levis just went crazy on those final two drives and was able to pull out
0: the win. Crazy.
1: Indeed. Let, let me ask y'all something. So it's 27, 13, mm-hmm. the Titans scored to make it 27, 27, 19, excuse me. Mm-hmm. What were y'all's thoughts about going for two right there as it was happening?
8: It was a little bit of a gamble, but uh, I kind of liked it because, one, you're a four-and-eight football team, and you're playing a team that's heavily favored, and chances are the longer the game goes on, the more likely the Dolphins are win it if it goes to overtime. So I see what he did there because if you go for two and get it, then you're in position to win the ballgame in regulation if you can get one more score. If you go for two and miss it, then if you get the time touchdown, you can still go for two and go to overtime, uh, which, you know, two-point conversions are about a 60% hit rate, so you figure you're good for you maybe one out of the two and they got the first one and didn't need the second one. So I I was fine with it. It took me a minute to go, what are you doing? But then I, after I thought it through, I was like, it's not a bad risk, especially when you're a big underdog on the road and you know, you don't have a whole lot to lose this season. Well,
0: but I, I mean, I get going for two, I get going for two, at some point in a two-touchdown scoring situation, but I I just thought it was odd that... (laughs) Yeah, I think think I'd
1: go for it on the second one, not the first one, but I mean,
0: clearly it worked. Someone said that it it would be, there was less stress to make that one than there would have been on the next one one because if you don't make that one, then you still have another one to go. You still have another option at another one. And, but if you do make that one, there's no stress. So there was literally, I, I, a win agree. Win. I just thought it was weird that they, they chose the first, not the second, but it worked out. And, it, you know,
1: and the fact that it worked out is, is really kind of crazy on top of everything else, just because, oh, no. as, as Terry said, did not expect that. You no. know, just the they hard. were up 10, seven at halftime
8: shocked me. Oh, absolutely. And especially the fact that it seemed like they were content to go in seven, seven. And then they, you know, because they get the ball back with about what, a minute 50 left in the first half. And they run it, go three and out, put it back to the Dolphins, get a stop, get the ball back with like 38 seconds. And then all of a sudden they get aggressive. And they're zipping right down the field and get in field goal range. So just an odd game all the way around, uh, you know, as it happened. But it worked out in the Titans' favor. Guys, I, I mean, you know, tell me what you guys think. But the I, I continue to be impressed by not only the arm talent, but the, the toughness and the ability for the moment not to be too big for Will Levis. Because – you know, he could have easily folded the tent after the way he played on the first couple of series with the pick six and, you know, misfiring on some passes and then especially again there in the fourth quarter with the fumble where, he, you know, he was high and wide to Derrick Henry and Henry couldn't couldn't haul it in. But, you know, he, he's got, I guess the term is some moxie about him that, uh, that seems to play well, you know, not only on the field but with his teammates as well. He certainly seems to he seems to be a keeper. Let's put it that way. And if you don't have to fill the quarterback position in the off season, you're that much ahead of the game in the rebuild.
0: Well, well, I mean, I guess he just really wanted to have a game winning drive because he kept giving the game to my kept aunt. setting them up. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, but I, I mean, yeah. You after the first after that first interception, you go, man, this just makes no sense. What, what are we doing here? And then the pitch and everything else that, that could have gone wrong. And yet to have the mental toughness to walk out there like nothing was a problem to be able to, to just put that play behind you and go play the next one is it may be the most important factor outside of arm talent. For an NFL quarterback,
8: true, and, and I'm not ready to, you know, call him the next, you know, the second coming of John Elway, yet. But all the all the great quarterbacks have the ability to shake off their own mistakes and overcome that and will their team to victory. And for the first time last night, we saw that out of Will Levis.
0: I think so. So I gotta give him gotta give him his props, man. I will say this though. Amani Hooker needs to get on the jugs machine occasionally,
8: because he had he had six. Oh yeah. Well, there's a reason he's a defensive back and not a receiver. I know, but hey,
0: you boom! Got, you, you, you got you got to take those advantages when you get a chance, man. My goodness, he had he had six, and it was and it wasn't gonna be anywhere close.
8: That's unfortunate. Yeah. By the way, here's another thing I'll throw out of it. Ha- it doesn't really have anything to do with the Titans other than the fact that, you know, they were playing the Dolphins last night. But uh, anybody who uh, wanted to make the case for Tyreek Hill as the league MVP, I think that case was made last night when he missed mm-hmm. half of that ball game because you saw how ordinary Tua and the rest of that offense looked without him on the field.
1: I think you're absolutely right. I, I don't remember if I tweeted it or if I posted it on Facebook on somebody else's post or what. But I, I thought I said that I feel like last night kind of bolstered his MVP candidacy. Yeah, absolutely. And and you saw yeah. the difference that he made when he came back in the game, Terry.
8: So oh, no doubt about it. You know, he he rattles off a couple of explosive plays right there off the bat as soon as he's back in the ball game. And like I said, you know, in a in a year where there may not be a clear-cut quarterback to walk away with the MVP because there are people who will tell you it's Dak Prescott, there are people who will tell you it's Jalen Hurts, there are people who will tell you it's Brock Purdy, and there are always going to be people who tell you it's Patrick Mahomes. But maybe this is the year where a guy like Tyreek Hill does at least get some consideration.
1: Absolutely. Um,
8: Terry? I guess my question is,
1: was the Titans' performance last night in the face of so much? Was that a one-off, or is that something that they do build on over this last
8: four games? It's a great question. I I don't think we'll really find out the answer until they take the field on Sunday. If they come out and they're flat, then we'll know it's a one-off. If they come out and look pretty decent, then I think, uh, you know, maybe it's the start of something. I think they certainly hope it's the start of something, uh, given the way that they played in those last couple of drives. And, you know, there's always, there's the thought, too, that, you know, they may be catching a break with the Texans because C.J. Stroud's in the the protocol right now and so his status is up in the air for Sunday, at least right now. I haven't seen a report yet that says yay or nay if he's going to play or not, but Even if he does play, if he's been in the protocol all week, that means he's probably not getting the practice reps he needs. So that could be advantage Titans as well. Now, like I said, the the other crazy thing about this, and guys, think about this for a second. I tweeted this out last night. This team is one missed extra point against the Colts last week. From being right in the thick of the playoff chase at six and seven instead of five and eight because there's a long jam of teams at seven and six uh right there ahead of them
0: yeah and this is a team that's lost by i mean could have beaten the saints could have beaten pittsburgh should have beaten the colts last week i mean they were lost at pittsburgh by four. yeah this is a team that almost you know, could have a winning record if those one-score games go the other way.
8: That's true. And and part of that, though, is is learning how to win. And I think last night maybe they learned a little bit about how to win. So there's that. If you want to, you know, go back to your question, Mo, there's that if you want to talk about using this as a building block Maybe they learned a little bit about how to win, so that the next time they're in those situations, they'll know how to deal with it. Rather than what happened against the Saints, obviously that was with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. What happened uh, last week against the Colts? What happened in Pittsburgh? And all all part of the maturation process and the growing pains of dealing with a rookie quarterback.
1: Five of their losses are by one possession. There you including have Including a 24 16 loss to the Ravens. So make of that what you will. They finish up, like you said, the Texans come to Nissan on Sunday, followed by the Seahawks on Christmas Eve, a trip to Houston on New Year's Eve, and finishing up with the Jags here. So another.
0: Double up. Yeah. So weird. Two
1: two, divi- two games against the same division rival in a three week span. It makes no sense. But it, if you take last night, if you give any consideration to last night, you feel like they got a shot in each of those four games.
2: Yeah, I
8: mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, you go know, from you know that was probably on paper the least winnable game on their schedule, and they won it so i don't really know what you make of that like you said is it is it the start of something or is it just they rose up in that one game like you occasionally see bad teams do in the nfl because it's such a parody league um i i think that you know a lot this the result this week a lot will depend on you know if they see stroud or not i think because if they see stroud if stroud comes in and he's healthy and he's ready to go to me, that's advantage Texans because he's shown all year uh, what he's capable of doing. Now, he didn't look good against the Jets defense on Sunday, but, uh, you know, we'll we'll call that a one-off in, in the other direction. And uh, for the most part, you know, I think he's hands down your rookie of the year. Now, that said, if you're a guy like Will Levis, you've certainly got a chip on your shoulder when you face these other rookie quarterbacks, and you know, he said when they got ready to face Bryce Young that uh, you know, hey, I do, I do compare, you know, and see how all these other guys are doing. I wish them good, wish them well, as long as I'm not playing them. But you see the competitiveness uh, that was shown last night on his face. I guarantee you, if Str- especially if Stroud's playing, he's going to want to ball out and try to win that night. No
0: doubt. Okay. Will Levis is a competitor, okay. if nothing else. Yeah. So. Yeah.
8: Terry, tell us about Zen Sports. The new sports betting app exclusively in Tennessee the last few months, and I'm excited to share with you some big news. Now, when you sign up for a Zen Sports account, you will receive up to a $1,000 no-danger first wager. That's right. When you place your first bet in Zen Sports with up to plus 500 odds, you can be reimbursed for the amount of your bet up to a $1,000 maximum within 24 hours if the bet loses. And there's more good news Zen Sports is rolling out its brand new VIP rewards program. This new VIP rewards program will allow top tier customers to earn more bonuses, comps, and perks. The VIP program is by invite only, so if you feel your Zen Sports play qualifies for VIP consideration, please check out the program details and apply at zensports.com slash VIP. No other sportsbook will offer you a premier sports betting experience with 24-7 top-tier customer support and faster withdrawals than Zen Sports. So what are you waiting for? Get going and download their app at zensports.com today. Zen Sports, betting just got better. Gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 and older and in Tennessee, Tibet.
7: This holiday season, the largest lantern festival in the country returns to Nashville Zoo. Witness more than 1,000 handcrafted Chinese lanterns featuring brand new designs, including towering mythical beasts, a life sized Santa's workshop, and a 100 foot long dragon. Welcome back to Zoo Lumination at Nashville Zoo. Bigger, brighter, and better than ever.
3: Smiles. These are the healthy smiles of real Delta Dental members.
0: Welcome back in Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Young, Mo Patton, and Justin Kulik on the controls. Top Five Tuesday still to come here in just a moment. As we give you our top five best individual performances in sports history that ended in a loss for their team or them individually, I guess. But for now, we go. To the voice of the Blue Raiders, who has been patiently waiting for his turn, Chip Walters. Thanks for
9: waiting, Chip. What's happening, boys?
0: Not much, man. Um,
9: again,
1: appreciate your patience as we rehash that improbable Titans victory last night with with Terry McCormick. Um,
9: by, the way, imp- hmm? by the way, by the way, just one little comment on that. Uh, I retweeted Robert Griffin the Third's post. Uh the other Monday night game, of course, was the Giants and Packers. The the movie clip from Coming to America <laughs> where <laughs> where where Eddie Murphy was talking about going to the to the professional football game and gi- the, the Giants of New York beat the Packers of Green Bay when they killed kick- an oblong ball through an H at the end. It was so exciting, but uh, it was as if uh, Akeem had uh, had uh, predicted the uh, the finish of that game in 1988. But I mean, I, who saw that coming last night? But man, Will Levis was just uh, he was just he's a tough cat out there.
1: He, he And I know is, he's trying man. to I know
9: he's trying to prove a, a lot and. And, uh, and you know, and I'm sure they're going to, hey, you know, take it easy a little bit. But uh, you know, I think he's the the one thing that he's doing for sure is uh, I, I'm pretty sure his efforts and are winning over the locker room.
1: You like to see that kind of thing, yeah, out of your teammate. So yeah, it's it's some pretty good stuff going on down there. Um, some pretty good stuff going on in Murfreesboro as well, particularly on the women's side of the hardwood.
9: Yes. A uh, couple of really nice wins on the road last week and uh, uh, obviously beating Tennessee is a big deal. Uh, and, you know, I saw a lot of it. Well, you know, they didn't have this starter or that starter. well, they were wearing orange and had Tennessee on their Jersey and That's beating it. them means a lot. Yep. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, you know, a great crowd in Huntsville, uh, you know, a great a blue Raider crowd in Huntsville. It was middle's home game. And, you know, the reason that game was there, the big, the big reason was to kind of have a dry run in that building. Uh, also to get middle fans, uh, get them familiar with, because the, I mean, if you haven't been down there, the Von Braun center is a pretty, pretty good sized complex with all of the convention center parts of it. And Probst Arena, and and I think everybody did a little bit of wandering around and kind of getting their bearings on where to park and all of that. But uh, once the game got started, <laughs> or <laughs> one, one person in particular, <laughs> did did somebody not get their bearings straight? Uh, somebody walked all around. I think I covered every bit of the Braun,
1: Von Braun Center getting in, yeah. only to get out to my car in about. 25
9: seconds. Well, that is, well, I I can tell you two other uh, people, uh, Mark Owens and myself did the exact same thing. We we parked. We were in the indoor parking garage,
2: mm-hmm. and in we're told south, oh, south. to
9: go to the arena. Go over here to this elevator, and go around, and it curves around. Mm-hmm. Well, then when we came out, they said, "Oh yeah, just go out that door right there by the locker rooms." And it's right and there. it's here. like boom, right there. And uh, so uh, now <laughs> you're not you alone. alone. Yeah, I-, I feel better. Thank Don't you. Don't feel Chip. like you're alone on that deal. But uh, I thought it was, you know, set up. It's going to set up really nicely. And I think all of those uh, in the convention center part, every school's going to have room for their own alumni functions, hospitality functions, things like that. But, uh, you know, middle in the, I mean, really turned it on in the fourth quarter, got it going, had the two end of quarter shots that fell, the one at the end of the half and the one at the end of the third, I think really added to the momentum and they carried that on to, to Cookville and, and uh, on Sunday, and, and and you know, and to give you know, Tech's team, a, you know, they, they really hung in as an undersized group, especially compared to Middle's lineup, which is pretty big uh, at times. And Middle couldn't shake them uh, through the third quarter, and then you know, then we're able to put some distance on in, in the fourth quarter and, and pick up the win. And, and uh, the Lady Raiders will be at home on Sunday to uh, end a 35 day. Uh, hiatus from the glass house Stephen F. Austin two o'clock on Sunday. That's part of the Conference USA WAC challenge. The I wonder if the lumber the fem, the lumberjack women, if they are they the Lumberjinnies? or or or, or the lady or, lumberjills? What, what lumberjills? Maybe
2: lumberjills.
9: So, that's a heck of a question. I have to check that's that good. out. So that's good. <laughs> well, <laughs> but uh, speaking of of the women's side, while we're while we're on that, uh, you had uh, uh, Jalen Gregory was named Conference USA Player of the Week after kind of going through some struggles with her three point shot. She just uh, came, she just went crazy this week uh, and was also today named the Ann Myers Drysdale uh, U.S. Basketball Writers Association National. Player of the week, so wow, uh, not bad uh, for for a young lady uh, from Lafayette, and uh, congratulations to her.
1: Twenty three and a half points in those two wins, Um, nine threes in those two wins, zero bench time in those two wins. Played all forty both against Tennessee, yeah, Tennessee Tech. So yeah, not not bad for part of Macon County High School. Um, she was also Conference USA Player of the Week and completed a sweep this week by Middle Tennessee State. As Elias King was the men's Player of the Week and Chris Loof for the second week in a row was the freshman of the week.
9: Yeah, the Red Rocket is really coming on, and the, uh, the, the Elias King in a win over Missouri State and in a loss to Belmont set career highs in both games for points. Uh twenty-two and then came back with twenty seven against Belmont. And uh he's starting to shoot the ball with confidence. And now Loof, who is splitting time with Jared Coleman Jones at at the five position. Jared starting the and and Loof uh you know it's kind of a Wally Pip type of thing here with uh, uh Josh Ogendeli going down with an injury, Loof is really, uh, having the opportunity to, uh, to shine. And, and, uh, and over the last couple of games, the middle is, I'd have to go back and look at both, but I know it gets Belmont. They got twenty twenty three 23 points and 17 rebound or 23 and 12, I think combined from, from that position from with Coleman Jones and Loof. So they've been a nice one, two punch, both have obviously different skill sets, but uh but yeah, they both played well this week and now both teams, as we mentioned, the Lady Raiders come back Sunday. The men uh have a road trip out west next week and I'll uh be joining you somewhere along the way, uh probably either in Salt Lake City or or I'll actually be uh, I'll I'll actually have gotten to my hotel uh in uh, Cedar City, Utah by
1: Cedar, no, cedar. no, no!
9: Actually, next Tuesday uh, I will still be in Moraga, California, uh, getting ready for the St. The Mary's. Mary's. Game. There yeah. we
1: go. Okay. Then All we right. go to
9: Southern Utah after that.
1: The Thunderbirds. It's correct. The fabulous Thunderbirds.
9: That's
1: yeah. right. <laughs> so, um, Stephen F. Austin's women are the Lady Jacks.
9: Lady Jacks. Okay. Yes. I still, I like Lumberjills better. So. <laughs> I do too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Chip Walters, the voice of the Blue Raiders, joining us here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Chip, as I mentioned to Chris earlier in the show, since we last spoke. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Um, what a week it has been. How, how much How much one-on-one time or how much time have you had to spend with the new Blue Raiders football coach. I know he's been moving and shaking.
9: You know, were you up there uh, when he was doing the group interviews and then went mm-hmm. over to get his photos made and he stopped and talked to me for about 30 seconds. That was it. That's it, that, that's it so far. Oh uh, nice. yeah. I mean, he, I mean, I was even talking to Mark. I mean, he's really busy. Uh, I, I I snuck up. I was going to try to sneak a little bit of time on Saturday afternoon When I go up, I went upstairs to do Nick McDevitt's pregame interview and slid around in the football offices, hoping I'd catch him in his office for just a minute. But uh, the whole all the coaches uh, were around the conference table and they were going over the recruiting stuff because everybody had been on the road on Friday. They went to fifty nine high schools on Friday and. So I I I didn't have that opportunity but he he promised me we will have will have some time together uh you know it'll probably be uh, once I get back from this next trip but but uh, everybody uh you know that I've talked to that worked with him at Vanderbilt and just got off the phone with a buddy of mine that works at Auburn that uh, was there with him uh everybody is just highly highly complimentary of the of the kind of guy that he is uh, and and uh, now we're starting to see some staff names, uh, the ones who will be coming in, uh, starting to trickle out there. The university's not announced any, but you're starting to see some on Twitter, some of the guys who have apparently accepted positions, like uh, Brian Stewart, it appears, is going to be the new defensive coordinator. At least that's what's on his Twitter account. Uh, uh, Bryce Lewis, who... Uh, is from Jackson, Tennessee, now at Oklahoma state is, uh, looks to be the secondary coach and Kendall Simmons who played at Auburn and at Pittsburgh and with, for the Steelers. Now the O-line coach at Auburn is apparently coming to middle. Uh, and so those are three names that have been out there publicly on Twitter yet again, middle hasn't announced anything, uh, just yet, but, uh, some of that is, is pending very soon. And, uh, I know all of the, there's several assistant coaches that are on the current currently on staff that, uh, have a desire to remain. And, and, uh, and those, that is all part of the other million things that's keeping Derek Mason busy at this time. And, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty clear that, uh, the message or some of the messages that were put out there uh, in Chris Massaro's initial press conference uh, announcing the opening in the football job and what he was looking for. Uh, Number one, they were very visible on Twitter last Thursday and Friday when they were out visiting high schools and things like that. Some really, you know, kind of cool graphic stuff. And also I'm not sure if you had a chance to see the, the eight minute, version of the full video of uh, of Derek in the uh, Murfreesboro Christmas Parade, and uh, I'd like to have a nickel for every hand that he shook and uh, baby mm-hmm. that he kissed uh, during, during his walk slash ride through the Christmas Parade route, but uh, definitely making an effort to uh, connect with the community there as
1: he was so famous for saying during his time at Vanderbilt, let's ride, huh?
9: I've heard that a couple of times already. So, yeah. Well,
0: yeah. Or let's walk. Let's in, walk. Right? Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. he was, he was, he was walking, running. So I'm running a couple of times up to some folks, you know, when, when Chris Massaro said he wanted somebody to bring energy, I don't know if he could have gotten that part of this any better.
9: Right. And you know, and and it, it you know, it's still one of those things that it, it takes some. You know, and I thought if there's also a video out of his first meeting with the players, which I thought was really good, and 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 he really, uh, whether in his public remarks, in his in his talk with the team, uh, he has uh, he has not uh, he has not come in and 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 did anything disrespectful to the previous staff uh, in particular coach Stockstill. he has given all the credit in the world for what they have done and I, I think he has gone about that part of his business in a very very classy way because that's that's not easy because you know you're coming into a situation where you have players who were, were very close to to the head coach you have a lot of fans over who over an 18-year period uh, is going to be close friends with the head coach and, and many staff members. And, and, uh, and, and, and to be able to handle that in, in a very classy and respectful way, uh, I think is really important. And, uh, and, and he's done that so far for sure.
1: That said, Chip, and you may have already mentioned it, but what have you been most impressed by, or what are you most excited by singularly well, with this hire?
9: you know uh, i i will say that uh and this is coming from my own little greedy part of the world is that everybody that i've talked to said said your your the work that you have to do with him will be very very easy uh you will have an open door uh he will do whatever you need him to do for radio and television whatever we need him to do that uh what I'm hearing from others uh, is is certainly uh, about the kind of person he is and 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 the type of dealings they've had with him in the past really uh, excites me for what comes ahead you know for the guy that does his weekly radio show and 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 talks to him before and after every football game and and things like that but I think you're you're seeing uh, an excitement out of out of players uh i thought their reaction that you could see in the video was good uh uh, it'll be interesting to see i'm hearing that there are guys who had put it out there that they were going to go into the portal i've heard there have been there have been some that have said hey you know i kind of like this and i may give this continue to give this a shot we'll we'll just have to see how all that plays out the thing that you've got to remember whether Somebody has said they're going in the portal or or who have actually gone through the process and are legitimately in the transfer portal. That really does not mean anything until signing day. I mean, yeah, they have it just means they have done a certain amount of work toward that. But uh, they when signing day comes, they may or may not actually go somewhere else. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they could have changed their mind by that time after meeting with the coach and I think they've they've spent a lot of time uh uh meeting individually with players as well as uh, a group uh to see where things actually are and get a really good lay of the land of of what they need to accomplish in on signing date whether it be high school junior college uh or through the transfer portal so the, it it's going to be an exciting couple of weeks to see how how it all plays out
0: Man, we've talked a lot about college football today in the portal, and we've learned a lot. So it's, it's, it, this is a, a, a weird, exciting, fun time of year. Uh, it's certainly a lot for this, these coaches, and, and especially when you don't have a full staff at your disposal. So I know Coach well, Mason is probably trying to figure that part out, too
9: and i will say this uh the 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 current staff uh, m- most of those members uh who uh there there were a few that uh i think knew that they would probably be moving on whether it goes through retirement or another or, or look for uh something else somewhere else the majority of that group that was already on staff they were the ones who were out beating the drum last Thursday and Friday, and there's something to be said for those guys as well as far as them being classy and and doing the right thing and se- and still knowing that they're employed at middle and trying to put their best foot forward because uh, the one th- the other thing that Derek has said on a couple of occasions is that every day is a job interview, and that's not only for players but assistant coaches as well.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, Chip, as always, it's been fun. Look forward to our time next week from wherever you will be.
9: Uh, probably, probably
2: Moraga, California. <laughs>
1: Mor- yeah. Moraga, Moraga, California, which yeah. is in the Bay Area.
9: In the Bay Area, I, I did get our itinerary today for the trip and uh, next Monday. We have some downtime, and there is a team outing scheduled uh, for to go uh, and uh, go through go to Alcatraz. Alcatraz, also awesome. very close. It's like thirty minutes away from where we are. So don't get uh, left there. Yet. No, do not want to yeah. stay there. No. And uh, no. And, I, and and whatever the stuff that Nicholas Cage and Sean Connery were dealing with, that they were being very careful with. I don't want to run into any of that stuff either.
1: Nope. Stay away from all of that. Yeah, Absolutely, exactly. Chip Walters, the voice of the Blue Raiders, joining us here on Main Street Sports today, as he does most Tuesdays.
9: Unless Chip, I we don't appreciate it. Unless no, you don't. That's we right. Will,
1: we will catch up with you next Tuesday from Moraga, California. Look forward to it.
9: See you,
0: boys. All right. All right. We'll take a break when we come back. Uh, before we get to Top Five Tuesday, a new rule proposed in the NCAA that uh, would allow teams to be punished if they don't cooperate with NCAA investigations.
1: Your no, at is, least one school that will be against it.
0: <laughs> I think Oklahoma State might have something to say about mm. it. So we'll talk about it on the other show the break, stick around. Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with Riverstone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit CustomStoneHandlers.com.
4: A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA.
3: With Lee Company technology, the best handymen,
5: Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho-quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtvj.net. Hey, welcome
2: back.
0: We are... Live from the Lee Company studio here, Mo Patton, Chris Yao on Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Talking now, Mo, about a new rule proposed by the NCAA that would punish teams for not cooperating with investigations.
1: Who votes on this? I mean, how does this get enacted? Same Don't with, the schools like TWSW? Like
0: okay. Why would a school vote for this? Who brought this forth? That is a great question. And I'm, I want to let me go look at Vanini's Twitter because I'm pretty sure that Chris Vanini of the Athletic uh, had the. Let's see here. It doesn't say. It doesn't say who brought it forward. Basically, he says technically individual schools can already be penalized for an investigation in an investigation for failing to cooperate. But that proposal would allow the, that immediate penalty to be made public while the case is ongoing, rather than be announced at the end of the case. I don't.
1: I just don't know why a school would vote in favor of that when you consider schools who have cooperated haven't been treated any better for the most part than schools that don't, none more famously than Oklahoma State.
0: Yeah, Oklahoma State would certainly raise an issue with this because they said, hey, just don't. Hmm. Uh. It's it's not worth. If,
1: if they find it out, let them find
0: it out. If they don't, they don't. But don't help them. And I think this is kind of coming up because of Connor Stallions. Stallions famously was not cooperating during this sign stealing investigation. That I, I don't know that it, I don't know if it's still ongoing. Don't know anything about it. But uh, I think the NCAA, as a as an entity, is already struggling with issues regarding uh, penal penalizing institutions inconsistently. Mm-hmm and i don't know if this will help that or hurt that because i mean once you penalize someone for not cooperating are there levels of not cooperating <laughs> like did they hand over their their notebooks but not their hard drive i don't know but this basically says hey when you don't cooperate and we say because you haven't cooperated we you know we are putting a scholarship reduction on your program. They can announce that immediately is basically what this is saying.
1: I guess one question for me would be what, what is the NCAA's definition of cooperation? And I think that has to be figured out.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, I, I I think there's there's got to be a definition there.
1: And then again, why why would I if you're if you're not going to treat me any differently if I do cooperate, then if I don't cooperate, what's the attraction in me cooperating? what's the what's the enticement what's the inducement for me cooperating if it's not going to benefit me yeah i think that's a big thing right i, sure. I mean I if do- there's no benefit for me cooperating
0: then what's the point find it out on your own yeah i think which i guess the benefit is you won't be levied penalties well if you're going to tell me no, I'm saying you you will you will be levied additional oh. penalties for not cooperating.
1: That's not that's not an inducement though. I mean that's that's what I'm saying. The schools have to vote this down.
0: Yeah. I I just I I I think it's ridiculous. It is, but it's NCAA. So what do you expect? The Auburn method of dispute, refute, deny, and make an NCAA prove their case without our help has proven by far to be the best way to deal with the NCAA. Cooperation never works out. NCAA continuing to give the power five reasons to break away and do their own thing.
1: Who is that?
0: Is that no, anybody just in particular? A, a Chris, oh. Chris Hatto of oh, okay. a Georgia. Fan. Just
1: a. Just a. Comment on vanini's store
0: well, this is our backs tweet but uh, it, it's the same thing I mean yeah. But, but yeah I, I, he's right at what point has has cooperation been a positive outside of Tennessee, and the well, only reason Tennessee cooperated uh, is because they handed them the Ten- cake.
1: Tennessee got the desired result
0: exactly that was that was the point yeah. <laughs> That's what they wanted. That's the only time you cooperate is when cooperation gives you the result that you want. <laughs> <laughs>
1: they, they manipulated the NCAA at every step and they wanted a coach gone and they got him gone. And mission accomplished. didn't have to sit out a bowl game. Right. So well done. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, if you have, if you have an objective as a school and cooperating helps you reach that objective, then yeah, But, again, it didn't help Oklahoma
0: State. It did not. It did not, in fact. Oh, man. Well, I agree. I think the school should have voted down.
1: Yeah.
0: Let's take one more short break. Uh, Justin, we have fulfilled all of our sponsorship obligations, so let's just do a quick promo here and come back and do Top 5 Tuesday on the other side right after this on Main Street Sports Day. Stick around. AP Tennessee Sports Editor. Three time Tennessee Sports Trainer of the Year 2020 TSWA Hall of Famer. She covers the Titans, the Predators, the Grizzlies, college football, and hoops. Please make welcome.
1: Former University of Tennessee, former Team USA Olympian, XI Young Award winner, R.A. Dickey. R.A., did I miss anything? Man, that was sweet. <laughs> yeah,
5: I, I need to listen to that before I go to bed every night.
0: That was nice. Has five sports Emmys. That's not bad for the other guy in Wham. <laughs> <laughs> (laughs)
9: Other guy, Wham, married the best-looking girl, Bananarama. So other guy, Wham, had a pretty good life.
0: From preps to pros, we're taking on the sports topics you care about. Tune in across Main Street Media social platforms at 2 p.m. or on demand on your podcast distribution platform of choice. Welcome back in Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Time now for Top Five Tuesday, brought to you by our friends at uh, Mid South Five Fitness. Ian, down under, is Ian asking us about uh, Australian rules football. Do you watch Australian rules football? No. So uh, my dad does because okay. my dad's up at that time of day. <laughs> but Australian rules football is really interesting. And, you know, I I, I wish that I were awake more during Australian rules football stuff because it is wildly entertaining, but you have to know the rules. And the rules are very difficult to understand. You got to, you know, it's kind of like watching cricket, but not nearly as uh, boring. Anyway, I I just thought that was a uh, an interesting question that we got from a commenter. Uh, Top five performances in Aussie sport losses. Gary Ablett scored nine goals in the grand final loss to Hawthorne in 1989. Nine goals. Nine in a loss. Ish. I didn't lose. Y'all lost. He said. Y'all lost. That's what Gary Ablett said. Absolutely. Yes, he did. No doubt. Mid South Five Fitness at steelathletes.com at S -S 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 T E E L athletes on Instagram, Uh, make sure to go find them, follow them. We start with, of course, the Google random number generator. While
10: while you're doing that, I also had a question for Ian. Um, When it says about the timeouts there, obviously there are way too many timeouts in in NFL football, just because, you know, TV timeouts, all that. In Australian sports, players are expected to decide themselves. Is that... (laughs) And then what's that? I wonder what that means. I really don't know. That that, yeah. means,
1: that means that we've got too much coaching going on over here.
10: Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's players coached. Yeah, that makes sense. It's pretty cool. So, there you go.
0: Random right. number generator. Google random number generator number one. All right, we go.
1: You were taking too much time.
0: I know. Justin, you're going to be number three. Mo, you will be number two. That makes me number one. That
1: does make you number one.
0: So I will go first. Two. Number one, I'm going to go with Chuck Halley in Super Bowl five, Oh. The most valuable player of the Super Bowl, but lost.
1: Two <laughs> interceptions and a forced fumble for the Cowboys in a 16-13 loss to Baltimore. Because I had him on my list.
0: Yeah, that's
1: it. All right. Um, my number one was my immediate thought when we began talking about this. Game five of the 2021 World Series. Mm. Looking like the Braves were going to wrap that thing up home after Adam Duval's first inning Grand Slam home run. Mm-hmm. Put him up for nothing in an eventual nine-five loss. Fortunately, it only prolonged the inevitable. But yeah, that's my number one, Justin.
10: I'm gonna go with Tom Brady. Um, in Super Super Bowl 52, he threw for 505 yards, three touchdowns, and had three different receivers receive over 100 yards and lost. Two kits,
1: any, two any, any Tom Brady tidbit that ends in a loss, I'm all about it.
10: Sorry, <laughs> Jack. Nothing personal. J.K., go ahead. Uh, my next one is going to be Jamal Murray. He goes off for 50 points in Game 4 of uh, what year was it? not sure what year it was, but, yeah, 50, 50 points, Game 4. Oh, 2020 playoffs against the Jazz. Um, nine, three Jazz. points, yeah. three points shots uh, in Jazz line. Yep, I remember that. Mo? My number two.
1: Pittsburgh Pirates pitcher Harvey Haddix on May 26, 1959 threw a perfect game for 12 innings. How many innings? How, how many games does it take a starter to get to 12 nowadays? But uh, he threw 12, 12 perfect Lost in
10: the thirteenth. That's so. I guess it doesn't count as a perfect game. Wow, does not. (laughs) That's tough. That is tough.
0: All right, I'm gonna go with Thurman Thomas in Super Bowl 25, who had 135 yards on 15 carries, including a 31-yard touchdown run that gave Buffalo the early lead in the fourth. Caught five passes for 55 yards scott norwood
5: that's Mm. unfortunate former birmingham
0: stallion birmingham stallion kickers doing much better now in the nfl than in super bowl 25 that's all i'm saying my number three how about throwing a no hitter and losing two to nothing who that? well that was what happened to spring hill pitcher cat carter when she lost two nothing to summit Striking out thirteen hitters in the district game in twenty twenty one. That's a good get. Tough, tough loss for Cat Card.
1: That's a good get.
0: I thought that's what you were thinking of yesterday. <laughs> no,
1: no, but that's a good one. Um so my number three two thousand eight Wimbledon men's singles finals. Uh-huh.
0: Good
1: one Rafael Nadal defeated Roger Federer 6-4 6-4 6-7 6-7 9-7 That's what it took for Federer
10: to lose It's a 5-hour match
1: after he had beaten Nadal in each of the two previous Wimbledon finals There you go and winning the last 5 Wimbledons period
10: JK, okay. your three and four. My three is going to have to be, um, and I, this is recency biased, but also ridiculous. That, uh, my, so Michael Jordan against the um, Celtics. Mm-hmm. He is. 86,
2: eighty-six. Yep,
10: in eighty-six, he scored. What was it? Um, 63. Sixty-three. Sixty-three. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> He's, oh,
0: on, yeah. our, he's <laughs> on both of our lists.
10: Yeah, I mean, just because I saw the Last Dance again. Uh, not too long ago, and, and just unreal. I mean, how do you go to the locker room scoring that many points? I don't know. We're in 90 that?
0: seconds, so let's go faster.
10: Sorry, go ahead. Number That's, four. <laughs> oh, number four. Barry Bonds, Barry Bonds uh, against oh, the World Series. Yep, there you go. Good one. <laughs> Is it
1: me? Yes. Um, Penguins goalie Ron Tugnut in the 2000 East Semifinals. Game four, 70 saves in a 2-1 overtime loss to Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> number. number four is Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> he threw for completed fifty-two passes and uh, for seven hundred and thirty-four yards and five touchdowns. Oh, but lost oh, to Baker Texas Mayfield <laughs> while he was at Texas Tech. Oh, that's six fifty-nine. That's awful. Fifty-two that's really passes, yeah. seven hundred and thirty-four yards, five and touchdowns,
1: lost. and lost. And lost.
0: Yes, sir. That's awesome. Next. Uh, my number five is Jerry West. Triple-double in game seven.
10: Not enough. Got the MVP, though. Triple-double from a point guard is ridiculous.
1: You're right. Uh, my number five is Eli Manning. November 1st, 9, uh 2015, he was 30 of 41 for 350 yards. Six touchdowns, no picks. Lost to the Saints 52-49. Brutal. Brutal. Justin, wrap it up.
0: Oh, my,
10: look, I did four and five, didn't I?
0: Now you know your last one five. Okay, Tony,
10: Tony Romo, five hundred yards, five touchdowns, lost to Matthew Stafford. That's a good and one. Now, 51,
0: and we'll see you guys tomorrow, Main Street Sports. Today. Have a good one. Um,